The following podcast is brought to you by Radio Southland and New Zealand On Air. Radio Southland is a community access media station based in Invercargill, New Zealand. If you or your group would like to know more about how you can have a program on our station, please contact us. Visit our website, radiosouthland.org.nz, for our contact details. Hey, welcome to Grinding Gears with Pete and Aaron. Radio South at 96.4 and Coast Access Radio in Kapiti. So, coming to you from the border of the North and the South Islands. Also on Spotify, iTunes, plus you can stream us, no strings attached, from accessmedia.nz. Now, coming up first this week, we've got Toyota dethroning GM for sales in the US, plus their hydrogen distance record, actually, and plenty more, so stick around.
Back on Grinding Gears with Pete. Hi, Darren. Radio South and only 6.4 and Coast Access Radio Capity. And to start, as the General's 90-year reign over, Toyota may replace GM as biggest automaker in the U.S., at least as of this third quarter. Toyota is the largest automaker in the U.S. Yeah, the automotive sales race in the U.S. is heating up, and there's a chance that Global, uh, that General Motors uh, might not be the country's full-year sales leader when the calendar turns over into January 2022. Uh, it would not be the first time in over 90 years that the general has not had the crown, and uh, Toyota might be uh, the new king. Yeah, as of the third quarter of this year, 2021, Toyota North America moved 1.8,057,884 vehicles for the year so far. In comparison, GM delivered 1.7 million, 777,483 in the same period. So while about 80,000 and a half cars isn't a massive lead, it gives Toyota a leading edge going into the final months of the year. Yeah, as you might expect if you follow the auto industry even a little, the microchip shortage is the main culprit for GM falling behind Toyota in deliveries. Uh, demand for new cars is high as ever. Uh, but supply constraints are limiting production. In fact, both companies are up year uh, year over year. Uh, Toyota's volume is uh, 27.9% higher, and the GM's and the GM number is well, it's uh, 0.1% better. <laughs> Still, an automotive news report puts GM sales in perspective by noting the company is on track for one of its actual lowest sales year since the 1950s. Toyota's changes after the 2011 earthquake and tsunami in Japan might actually have helped the automaker with the current chip shortage. Executive Vice President of Sales at Toyota North America, Bob Carter, told Automotive News what they learned from the earthquake is a need to carry more inventory of slow-moving parts. 
and the chips were one of the commodities identified early on. Yeah, it'll be an interesting race to the finish, especially since Toyota will have the first units of the new Tundra on the market before the end of the year. But with decades of experience, don't count GM out of this fight just yet. Mmm, but sticking with the big T, and their Mirai just covered 845 miles without refueling. That's 1,360 kilometres in metric speak, setting a world record. But what for exactly? Yeah, when a car manufacturers announce that they've set a record, it's easy to think it's a top speed run or it's a lap time. Well, of course, there are other things to chase aside from speed and time records. Uh, some are much more achievable, such as economy-run records. Over the years, many have uh, taken on the one-tank record. Most of the time, it's with a car powered by an internal combustion engine. However, there's one record that hasn't been tapped yet. It's a record for the longest distance by a hydrogen fuel cell electric vehicle without refueling. Leave it to Toyota to go straight for that open goal. Yeah, Toyota is, of course, pushing their hydrogen initiative. And they're still very vocal about it. Obviously, the car they chose for this record attempt is none other than the recently designed Mirai. It was given, uh, driven by Wayne Gerties and Bob Winger as his co-pilot. And if those names do sound a wee bit familiar, the duo are known for setting fuel efficiency records in the US. Last time the two got together, they got the record for, in the Guinness World Records frickin' book, the lowest fuel consumption in 48 US contiguous states for a non-hybrid car. Yeah, Gertie's and Winger are also one of the top hybrid hypermilers in the US. However, uh, they didn't make this attempt easy by just driving on freeways and interstates in the small hours of the morning. Um, the pair drove through the morning and afternoon rush hour traffic in San Diego. They also drove up and down the Pacific Coast Highway for good measure. Yeah, and after two days of careful and calculated driving, Gerties and Winger managed to eke out 845 miles to the Mirai. And this was confirmed by the Guinness World Records. Total consumption was 5.65 kilos of hydrogen and 152 mpge, which I think it would be miles per unit hydrogen yeah yeah but that is double the epa claim of up to 76 uh, mpge for the xle version will it be enough for people to go towards hydrogen power instead of electric that's still uncertain at least range anxiety is less than the worry though uh, given its potential yeah that's a big thing that mm-hmm. ranging charge up me batteries yeah you're crossing over to europe now and formula one driver sebastian vettel of all people has a unique opinion about Germany's lack of speed limits on the famous autobahn. You'd expect the, an, a Formula One driver to have a, a more well-rounded opinion of speed, but Vettel's commentary does not disappoint. He reckons that a speed limit is a no-brainer if it reduces carbon emissions and makes roads of Germany a little safer. Yeah, maybe a hard pill to swallow, but Vettel, a man who's built his career around speed, knows it has its limits. The four-time Formula One world champion believes that Germany is a strong country that can help set an example for other countries around the world. In Germany, the autobahn system of highways features sections that have no speed limit. These locations are typically where there are less traffic and more room for drivers to stretch their legs of their cars. Uh, this famous tack on road safety has 
made Drummond Highways a tourist attraction for speed lovers. Oh, yeah, and Vettel explained in his interview with Auto Motorsport, it's not about personal feelings, it's necessary to look at the big picture. A speed limit would save almost 2 million tonnes of CO2 emissions, apparently, and, of course, it would make the roads a fair bit safer. There are accidents in Germany that only happen because of no speed limit. Now, if you save the life of a single person, according to him, then it's a no-brainer. Yeah, Germany is home to some of the best racetracks on Earth, and many are tourist-friendly. The Nürburgring being a great example. Uh, these locations will become even more important if Germany finally starts to add speed limits on every part of the Autobahn. Yeah, well, the Nürburgring is a perfect example, and there's plenty others. As we move towards a world that works harder to reduce carbon emissions, uh, we could see the end of the deregulated autobahn. Sad, yep, but so many more cars and people, plus all its new technology, it couldn't last forever. Oh well. Now time for a song to console ourselves, I guess.
Southern only 6.4 and Coast Access FM in Kapiti. Now, when uh, many of us gearheads or kids or even adults, the one thing at least uh, I miss are pop-up headlights. Where did they go and why? Uh, with so many classic cars like the Lamborghini Countach, uh, Corvette, Lotus, Sprint, and even the MR2, looking great with them. And, you know, we just ask them what, what really happened to them. Well, they looked cool, edited arrow, tucked away, and they looked bloody cool when they popped up. But then safety happened. Like the reason why bonnet badges also got removed. You know, like Mercedes emblem or the famous spirit of ecstasy from the Rolls Royce. Yeah, so in the 1990s, modified regulations changed the process of pop-up headlights manufacturing. Confusion happened and companies started new designs that weren't approved. A German study was conducted to examine them and outlined how hard it would be to create pop-ups that met safety protocols, which pretty much spelled the end for them due to these restrictions. Now, it's important to note that pop-up headlights are not technically illegal. It's just so cost-prohibitive to make them uh, safe should a pedestrian go over your bonnet. Basically, the powers that be were concerned uh, someone getting run over would be a bit further injured 
you know, going over the pop-up headlights and um, probably should have spread up XC would left a bit of a gash. Yeah. Uh, bit of history, though. Pop-ups first happened in uh, 1936 to replace round headlamps. Manufacturers at the time thought old round ones were dated and made the car look unfinished and awkward. Pop-ups made the car look stylish, ultra-modern, and proving owning a car was both practical and cool. But safety concerns grew in the 60s and 70s, as at the time rules in the US stated that cars are required to have either round or rectangular scaled beam lights. Uh, It was understandably a setback for designers, as these updated rules were, of course, restrictive. Mm, But the pop-up craze lasted into the 80s and the 90s, including, of course, Safari F40, my personal favourite. Porsche 928, Mazda MX-5, Honda NSX, and even the old 80s preludes and accords, which I've had a couple of over the years. Yeah. Those sealed beam light rules expired in the US in the 90s, so companies started coming up with different ideas. But again, the process was seen as untrustworthy, so the country launched a safety bylaw known as the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Standard number 108, which stated that the lights must remain open if there were issues. Yeah, remember the old Lambo Diablo had pop-ups briefly, but they had to change, so they had to use 300ZX headlights as they had the right profile. Needs to say, a Lambo covered over the Nissan emblem with a bit of trim, but I think all of us would have preferred the pop-ups, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, plus the Euros were also aware of these safety issues, and they wanted uh, front of cars to distort upon having an accident. So this was... An, an effort to absorb impact and maybe save some pedestrians from worse injuries. Well, uh, the end determination that came in the early 2000s was that there was no real way to have pop-up headlights and not injure a pedestrian, even worse, should they go over the bonnet. Car manufacturers have a worldwide impact, and needless to say, the Americans follow the Europeans' lead, and consequently, the 2004 C5 Corvette was the last to have them. One thing, though, you'd never see them on is a Tesla, which actually brings us very neatly to Tesla time. Yeah, and it's official. Well, according to stuff.co.nz anyway, uh, that the Model 3 has crushed the Venerable Holux in September sales. Yeah, new car sales have bounced back strongly following the country's moving down alert levels, even with Auckland still in alert level 3. Uh, with the Motor Industry Association reporting 16,518 new vehicle registrations in September, the second strongest month of any month since the MIA became keeping records. Yeah, this number represents a huge jump of 51.5% in sales compared to the same month last year when 10,902 new vehicles were registered. The MIA also reports that so far this year, 123,016 new vehicles have been sold compared to 87,474 to the end of September 2020. An overall increase year-to-date of 46, uh, 40.6% at uh, 35,542 units. And well, the surge in EV registrations was largely accounted for by Tesla, which has successfully avoided the worst of the effects of product shortages and managed to continue deliveries, which has seen the Model 3 take second place for sales in September with 1,066 registrations. Not quite managing to dislodge the dominant Ford Ranger, which everybody seems to have here. That's the top slot at 1,408 registrations. 
It is, however, the first time a fully electric model has cracked the top three. Yeah, top-selling passenger EVs for the month were the Tesla Model 3 at 1,066 units, followed by the MG ZS EV with 122 units, and the Hyundai Kona at 84 units, while the 537 plug-in hybrid electric vehicles in September, there were... uh, 282 Mitsubishi sold and over the Eclipse Cross uh, followed by the Mitsubishi Outlander at 115 units and the MGHS at 47 units I've just seen one of them out in the road I've chatted to the fellow and he's putting some gas in it obviously not the electric version but the MGs and such a neat, neat little car, brand new 25,000 yeah. bucks Unreal. so that's pretty good for a brand new car even though, yeah yeah Interestingly, despite New Zealand and the world uh, continuing love for large utes like the Hilux and Ranger, MIA says that year-to-date, 56% of the market are actually small to medium-sized vehicles. While the Hilux has dropped off due to supply issues, strong hybrid sales have seen Toyota remain the overall market leader for September with an 18% market share at 2,934 units, followed by Mitsubishi with 13%. 2,176 units, and fourth and third spot with 11% at 1,870 units. Impressively, Tesla was in fourth spot with 6%, uh, 6% share at uh, uh, 1,066 units. Yeah, probably a good thing the EVs and hybrids are gaining momentum still over large and sometimes the unnecessary diesel rigs. But as Toyota proved the Mirai, hydrogen is still a better option, especially without all the range anxiety. Oh, but now it's getting to that time where we're getting range anxiety. So till next week and beyond, don't be a dick, make it click.
Flashlight reveries cut in the headlights of a truck Eating seeds as a pastime activity The toxicity of our city, of our city The preceding podcast was brought to you by Radio Southland with the support of New Zealand On Air. Their funding of accessmedia.nz makes these podcasts available. To find similar programs by other stations involved, go online to accessmedia.nz. 